Okay, so this is uh, not something that past classes has experienced. You are the guinea pigs for it. Uh, if it goes poorly, it's Jeremy's fault. <laughs> if it goes wonderfully, that's totally my idea. Uh, so so we, are, we are going to be uh, shooting video of this. You are the uh, live enthusiastic audience. Uh, so we need you to be the live enthusiastic audience. We're just gonna see how this goes. We, we have not, Natalie and I have not done this before in this sort of format. We have a podcast that we do uh, in my office from time to time. So this is a brand new scenario. We'll see how it goes. And, and if it goes horribly, we'll just fix it in post, right? I mean, we'll just edit all the bad stuff out. <laughs> So, uh, Johnny and uh, Chad, you guys ready? All right, so uh, here we go. So welcome to Is This a Thing? I'm Jay Sokol. We're recording this podcast at the Stella Hotel, uh, and we're doing it for the very first time in front of an audience, and our audience is Leadership Brazos, class of 2019. Let's hear you. Okay, so for those who don't know, Is This a Thing is a podcast that we do in College Station. It focuses on economic development, and the whole idea is there, there are so many things that you hear about, but you're not sure if they're true, and the idea is to separate fact from fiction and rumor from reality, and that's how we approach it. So this podcast, this edition of the podcast is going to be very different. So let me introduce the folks up here with me. My first guest is co-founder and the actual star of Is This a Thing? So please welcome College Station Economic Development Director, Natalie, please stop asking me about Papado's Ruiz. <laughs> uh, my second guest, uh, going all the way over to the other side here, is Brian, Economic Development Specialist in the pride of Baylor University. Give a warm welcome to fellow introvert, Todd McDaniel. <laughs> And my third guest is Chairman-Elect of the Brazos Valley Economic Development Corporation and a very reluctant participant in this whole thing. Uh, say hello to Bobby Gutierrez. So we're going to visit a little bit with our guests and then we're going to open it up to you so you can ask questions to, to these panelists. So be thinking about what you'd like to ask them and uh, we'll get to you in just a little bit. So first I'm gonna start with Natalie because this is kind of your show. So we'll start with you. We are, we are doing this in the fourth quarter of the year. And so I, I'm curious, do seasons matter when it comes to economic development? Does the time of the year matter when you're going after business and industry? You know, the, the time of the year around the holidays, you're not going to do as much recruitment as you would through the rest of the year. Um, but retail is very different from primary job growth. So I, I think the shorter an answer is, Yes, it matters, but you're still pushing through the all 12 months of the year in, in recruiting folks. But the timing's very different. So in the retail market, when you're recruiting someone, they move much more quickly than primary business. They typically run on a 12-month cycle. Um, on retail, they don't do a lot of construction and starting new projects in the fourth quarter of the year. It typically uh, goes into the first quarter. Now, primary job growth, you don't see them on a 12-month time frame. It's a much longer, uh, recruitment process and they're they're much more deliberate in where they're going to expand and focus and and uh, you typically see those run more on a three to four year uh, cycle as well. 
So what are the kinds of things that you are doing right now? Are, are you making a lot of calls? Are you fielding the calls? I mean, what is your day-to-day -day activity like? We, we have the, uh, every year there's a, there's a group called ICSC, the International Council of uh, Shopping Centers, and they put on a state conference as well as national conferences throughout the U.S. And the, the one for the Texas area, the Red River area, which includes Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas, um, those will all be included in January. So what we're doing now is preparing for that, reaching directly out to retailers and site selectors to plan visits with those groups in January, uh, make sure we're on their calendar before we actually get to the event. Okay. So, Todd, I'm going to move to you. Um, considering that Kevin Russell also does economic development for the city of Bryan, you guys are doing remarkably well. Um, and that was supposed to be a joke. Sorry, if you don't know Kevin, then that didn't make any sense to you at all, uh, who is an excellent guy. But from a, an economic development standpoint, um, here's a question for you. What do you do about Texas Avenue between, say, about Villa Maria and downtown? How are you guys approaching that long-term strategies? Talk about that. Well, Texas Avenue is very important it, it, to our entire market, not just to Brian. Uh, so, as an example, we have a program called our Texas Avenue Beautification Partnership Grant. Uh, it's a program that allows a property owner and or the tenant to pursue a facade improvement, do things to the outside of the building, etc., that, that would uh, uh, help to facilitate. Uh, we're also engaged directly with the property owners uh, where we're looking to hopefully try to facilitate some redevelopment there. So Texas Avenue and then of course South College, which is the other priority initiative related to our midtown. So that's just one example of the types of things that we're doing for Texas Avenue. But if you look at, it's kind of a push. I mean, if you think about the university being the epicenter, it's really a push. And so if you've seen, you know, the development with like Cafe XL and as it continues to move basically north towards downtown. So it's that connectivity between downtown, the university, again, with both Texas Avenue and South College. But do you try to work with and incent the property owners to to clean up, to beautify their existing properties, or are, you, or are you going to try to work through, I don't know, some rezonings, there's some different strategies, some overlays to try to reshape things going into the future? Both. And in, in the case of Texas Avenue, again, you've already got the zoning classifications in place. So there, it's really more about trying to reach out directly to tenants. And, and it's really interesting because obviously you've got a situation with commercial where you have tenants that may not necessarily own the property. So their interest in reinvestment in the property, it's like whether you own your own home or not. If you own your own home, you're much more likely to reinvest in it. So that's one of the challenges of Texas Avenue. But I think at the end of the day, again, it's a very important corridor for our market. And uh, it's, it's an all the above kind of a, an initiative. Uh, and then again, tying that in with South College, if you think about kind of the parallel to it and with our Super Park initiative, et cetera. So it all fits together, but it's a, it's a comprehensive strategy. The, the plan that we're looking at right now for, for Midtown, if you will, doesn't quite make it all the way over to Texas Avenue, but we certainly are mindful that, that the Texas Avenue connection is, is, is critical to it as well. For those not familiar with uh, your reference to Midtown, can you give a little description of that? Well, Midtown, just so you know, is, a, is basically what we kind of define a geography from uh, the university, city limits, South College, up South College, all the way to downtown, and then Fin Feather over. So it's that area where if you think about the old Bryan Municipal Golf Course, which we transitioned uh, to Phillips, uh, so that piece of property is currently under uh, master plan design for a super park. 
Uh, that I believe, and, and Joey Dunn, by the way, I don't know if you recognized him or not, our deputy city manager, but, but the super park initiative uh, is very important because it will be, in our opinion, a significant catalyst for that entire area. Uh, that, that particular plan uh, we expect will be, be presented to our city council, our mayor and city council, uh, at the November meeting this November. So um, that's the geography that we're talking about. So you think about like Old College and South College, this kind of push, again, similar to what's happening on Texas Avenue. You think about Century Square, which we think is fantastic, um, and pushing it all the way up as you just continue to see that kind of redevelopment and, and, and uh, hopefully uh, significant kind of reinvestment by property owners and public-private partnerships, et cetera, uh, in that particular area of our city. Okay, Bobby, so when, when the cities really screw things up, uh, the EDC is there to swoop in and save the day, right? Yeah, so, exactly. So ex explain <laughs> what the role is of the Brazos Valley Economic Development Corporation. Well, the Brazos Valley Economic is the, is the catalyst that has, you have the city, you have, well, you have both cities. You have Bryan, you have College Station, we have now, we have Texas A&M University, and we have the county that all get together collectively and facilitate you know, growth, development, new jobs, you know, retail, kind of anything. And, and not only that, but they're, they're there to help at any process. So anything that the city needs, if anything that Natalie needs to take a project, if she gets a project in and she needs a team to help her with her team, she can call up, you know, BVDC and go, hey, we need some help with this. We have people coming in. I have, you know, people scheduled over here. Can you bring your team in and help facilitate this idea? Same thing with Brian. Same thing with the county and same thing with Texas A&M. It's a place right now where collectively, we can get everybody together at the table. I don't know if you guys know from the long history of things, but not always did we play good in the sandbox together. And it has not always been the kind of relationship that we have today where we can pick up a phone. You know, Natalie and I are very good friends, all the staff and everybody else. We work very good as a community now. Wasn't always like that, and that, uh, to that point, the state of Texas was going, you know what, we're not sending you guys any more stuff. We're not gonna send you contacts over there anymore because you're going to say this about this city and that city's going to say this about that and the county's trying to get everybody together and we're just you know we're going to send it somewhere else so that was why at that time it was the rvp was set up to, to help facilitate that and you know going back to what todd said just a second ago when, on this redevelopment and everything else we have kind of a you're asking allen house of tires and what does that have to do with anything at all as far as economic development or anything but i'm also chair-elect of that i'm also on the brian business council and i'm also on the the BVDC and Chairman of Plan and Zonus. So exactly what Todd is talking about, where all these things that we work as a, as a city of Bryan that we're seeing, we're, we're kind of fighting with each other within our own organization. So within our own organization, we're trying to get everybody together aligned with the vision of council, who are elected officials, uh, what they want to get done. So our, you know, our appointments on the different boards, different commission should push that agenda, whatever it may be. Right now we have you know, the Midtown area plan going on, which and we started that on the PNZ level. The plan is on and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do north of Northgate and how we're going to develop all that stuff with the new, you know, Aggie shacks or detached shared houses or whatever you want to call them, how that's going to develop and still preserve some of our neighborhoods. Then we got thrown into the, to the super park right after that and how is that going to develop and how is that going to tie in with what we already have going on, which is our downtown. So that whole corridor, South College, like Todd was saying, is ex extremely important to the city of Bryan, how it develops, how it looks. So now you have the BBC investment, the BVEC investment into it, or not investment, but oversight of what we're doing, you know, engagement in it. And then you have the planning zoner who has to implement those changes, what we want it to look like going forward. 
So there's a lot of different things going in within the city of Bryan, and you know, hopefully we all get together and make it work. Okay, Natalie, back to you. You and I have talked before in, in past editions of the podcast about the Amazon effect mm -hmm. and how that had such a, a chilling effect on brick and mortar coming to invest in our community, but we're starting to pull out of that. You've also mentioned to me how there, there is starting to be a, a marriage between these online and brick and mortar retailers. Talk a little bit about that. What does that look like, especially as we head into the holiday season? Right. Well, first I want to I want to um, talk a little bit about sales tax and why is that so important to our communities. Um, both Bryan and College Station rely heavily on sales tax to help fund basic functions, fire, police, uh, basic city services. Uh, I know Mary Ellen Leonard, our, our uh, finance czar, is in your group this year. Um, but when you look at uh, what that finances in the city of College Station, it's about just roughly over 40% of our annual income. So Texas cities really live and die by their sales tax. So that's why there's a, a real focus on uh, retail as part of all of our ED efforts and, and, and getting more retail in. What we have seen was, I, I've been back with the city now for about four years, and that first year, we were seeing a ton of interest in big boxes. Uh, a Next Power Center, a large grocer, you know, maybe some, some national names that we hadn't seen before. Um, I'd mentioned the ICSC conference. I, I went to my first national one about 18 months on the job, and man, retail just shut down. You, you, we went around and visited with the folks that were going to build here, that were gonna expand here, and everyone said no, the Amazon effect, we're, we're not sure, it's already impacting our business in a negative way. Folks aren't coming to our stores as much. So everyone just kind of shut down for a while. And we're starting to finally climb out of that a bit from the standpoint that, um, I'll use at home as an example. We had the Gander Mountain building, which was about 73,000 square feet. They moved out and we immediately started putting it in front of other retailers. Uh, we, we first you know, kind of hit the list and said, okay, who could take 73, can take all of it and move in fairly quickly that's expanding in Texas. Well, there's, there's probably, you know, you can count them on one hand who, who those would be. We reached out to At Home and they said, no, we won't do anything less than 100,000 square feet. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. And so we kept moving along and, and staying in contact with them and, and they finally ended up saying, you know what, we're realizing that we're going to need to shrink our, our brick and mortar locations. The, the online purchase power is extremely high and, and we need to compete in that area but we don't need the 100,000 square feet. So we were able to work down to an 83,000, uh, maybe 85,000 that we ended up with at that location. Um, so we're starting to see a renewed interest in brick and mortar. Uh, Jay had mentioned in terms of delivery, there's, there's a, a thing in retail that's called the last mile. And that's your delivery. You know, the Amazon has the, I, I love my Prime uh, account where they'll deliver in, in two days. But what we've seen over the last few years with the HEBs, the Targets, the Walmarts, you know, you can order online. Uh, as of this year, you can even get same-day delivery. And so you're seeing a renewed interest in the brick-and-mortar locations because uh, instead of a two-day, we're starting to expect a same-day delivery. And you can't do that uh, when, when your facilities are hundreds of miles away. You have to have that local presence. Um, I had mentioned earlier that uh, uh, what, uh, a friend of mine that uh, ordered bikes for, from Santa this last year for, for her children, uh, they were delivered at the local Walgreens because FedEx had partnered with them and they didn't deliver them to her house. She went to Walgreens to pick those up. So you're starting to see more and more hubs for that last mile delivery uh, to pick those up. 
Okay, Todd, so we've seen huge growth over the years, obviously in downtown, uh, Traditions, Atlas, Miramont, new hotels, new restaurants for the city of Bryan. Things have been going extremely well. You mentioned, uh, you and Bobby both mentioned, the super park that will be uh, developing in Bryan. And I know that you can't talk in specifics about what may be on the ground at the super park, but talk about looking 10 years out, what effects, what tangible effects, what will we see emerging around that area from an economic development standpoint? Well, let me say two things. I think first and foremost, let's go back to Spencer's point about vision. Um, that's what really interests me. I think where, when you think about the future of a city, the, the future of a market, well, what is the vision of that market? And for me, in, in serving this community as long as I have, it's about world class. I mean, I believe that Texas A&M University in this community should represent itself as world class. So the types of projects that I want to be involved in are those that are going to bring world class benefit to our market. So you think about the super park, um, our mayor referred to the super park as a 100 year project. Um, I think he was spot on. I think if you think about the future of uh, our community, the geography of that particular location, 150 acres, Think about the central parks of the world. I mean, so you're dealing with a real opportunity. Our strategy is a little bit different from College Station's. And the, and, and the reality is, is that unlike College Station, um, our retail market is almost entirely absorbed. I mean, we don't have the at-home space. We don't have the, you know, the, the academy space, Sears, which has vacated the market. I mean, those are great opportunities for our collective community because in many cases, I mean, we are a one-store market. In some cases, we're two-store, three-store market, whatever, but in, in the large big box stuff in particular, um, we're very much a, a, a one-store market. So our, our approach is really more about vision for how we can catalyze um, commercial, retail, residential, economic development in various parts of the city. So we mentioned the Super Park as an example. I mean, you certainly look at our University Drive East, Miramont, that entire area. I mean, today, I mean, people would not appreciate uh, the critical mass that's there now. I mean, most people uh, would not understand that within a three-mile radius of uh, University Drive East, basically at Boonville, Miramont area, I mean, they're now close to 30,000 people, which is a very important number in the retail game. So, so that just gives you an example. So for us, it's more about visioning, focusing on targeted areas, whether it's uh, championing and being a strong supporter for the, of the university system for the Rellis campus, uh, our Texas Triangle Park, you know, focused on how we can catalyze primary job development, allow the BBDC to do their thing, um, and, and working with the, the city of Bryan and the county. Um, the super park in particular, to answer your question, um, again, thinking about vision, and that's the beauty of this Midtown plan um, and the push from our Planning and Zoning Commission and, and certainly our city council. But the, the big idea is, is to see a, a redevelopment of that area uh, that accommodates world class, that accommodates the university system, that accommodates um, the market as we continue to see population growth, which is our reality. I mean, we are going to grow. And so where are people going to live at? What do they want? Uh, if you look at our market today, I mean, to give you some perspective, um, we are very much now an international market. We're an international community. And so as, as we think about that, how do we think about how do we become a welcoming community, a community that's going to continue to embrace um, the, the type of change that the university system and the university wants? So 
Uh, for us, it's about vision and it's about focusing on some targeted areas, uh, trying to catalyze, talking to developers. So um, yes, we do talk to retailers, but a lot of our engagement these days is really kind of developer oriented because again, we don't have that big box solution. I mean, if a, if a, if a big box retailer comes to us today, I mean, we can't show them the academy space. I mean, we can't put them and say, well, here's the Sears space. So, so that's one of the differences between how we approach it. The other thing that we do, which is different, is that it's, it goes back to Good Life Texas style, City of Bryan. So it's really about promoting small businesses. I mean, we want to be the best place to do business in the Brazos Valley. So for us, it's about how do we promote small business, how do we promote restaurateurs, entrepreneurs, really grow the economy organically as much as through recruitment, which is an important part of the game. But I think growing organically is also important too. So. Jay, can I expand on that just for a second to your actual Go question? Ahead. Okay, so, and, and Todd and I are Did very, I not answer we're, the question? We're very good friends. I didn't answer the question. In, in the planning zone, and we looked at, I guess, 12 different <laughs> RFPs, 12 different proposals that, to, to kind of look at what we're gonna do around our super park area, mm -hmm. that whole area. And as a businessman, when you tell me we're looking at a plan, that's right off the bat that's a red flag I mean we're gonna spend X amount of dollars we're gonna do this we need to have an RFP for this or we're gonna go out and do it but this is one specifically that we asked for in P&Z because we we're gonna do this and then right about that time we were doing our overlay district where we talked about earlier for the South College and the transition in downtown I said okay well let's see if we can combine everything didn't really want to combine it we did two separate plans but looking at it when and I'm sure you know Natalie all of you guys see this thing when you from the PNZ level, we look at zoning districts. We look at what's going to go around, how it's going to develop, and different things like that. Specifically, from the business standpoint, I want to go look. Anybody can go. Here's yellow, and this is going to be commercial, and this is red, and it's going to be residential, and this is, you know, green. And it's going to be so and so. So I'm like, you know, I can do that. You pay me the money. I'll just go right through, do the colors, and we'll we'll do that. But we actually got some really good plans, some very very good. And it was we went from 12 to four. So from 12 different ideas down to four, and on the, being on that subcommittee was really cool because you get to see all these different ideas of what we can be when we grow up around that area. So if and around that area, we start looking at them and say, okay, so this is gonna be red. I wanna know specifically within this area of red commercial, what do we need to do there? I mean, wh what is exactly that we need? I don't need to know this is commercial. I need to know, do we need a Walgreens there? Do we need a convenience store there? Do we need a bike shop there? What is it that we need to do? Because we have the professionals, you know, within, within Bryan, within Call Station, within the BBDC, within all the areas that we have, we have those professionals that can go out there and look for these things. But specifically, if we want to get buy-in from the community, the owners of these properties, now you add some value to them. Okay, you have a rent house here, but potentially it can be, you know, the next whatever you know dream big and hopefully it'll all happen but it, it being aligned within the city within pnz within the bbdc within all the areas everybody being aligned for one common goal we can make this thing happen 10 15 20 years sooner than we can if everybody's just have a red here this is red this is commercial okay you know so that's that's kind of what we're looking for so if and around there you know we're obviously going to be looking for density i think if you look at central park new york you know and it still amazes me and just, I was looking at a deal the other night. It did an overview, kind of a, you know, a view of Central Park, all the buildings around it, the highest, most expensive real estate, not only in the country, but in the world, are right around there. You know, so if you want to live around that super park, you want it to be something special. 
And we're trying to have, right now it's going to be a very good mix of actual park and it'll be a good mix of, of utilized space that, can, you know, space that can be utilized for income producing stuff and for the kids. So hopefully the vision that comes through that the, there should be adopting that, what, next month? Yeah. Adopting next month the final plans and then, you know, it'll come back to P&Z so we can implement the changes that we need to make and then we start that reinvestment and redevelopment. So it's going to be great. Okay, before we turn it over to our audience for their questions, one final thing for you, Bobby. Aside from an interstate, a larger airport, and more business parks, uh, what does this community need uh, to secure more jobs and more industry? Well, that's a good question. Uh, aside from all the things that we need, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what do we yeah. need? <laughs> Help me out, Todd. I, I would say economic diversity. We need to continue to, to, to grow the market, again, whether it's organically through small business development, through the attraction of, of, of companies like Viasat and Nutribolt and Fuji and Axis Pipe and Tube and, you know, keep on going down the list. I think, I think the economic diversity is a big thing because one of the challenges that we have, especially if you think about specific, um, if you think about specific industry types, they very much like to cluster. And so that's a, that's a challenge because when you have the university system, so think about it, I've, I've used this example in the past. So the Texas A&M University system has close to 40,000 employees in Brazos County, Texas. I mean, it's basically the apple of Cupertino, California. I mean, it is the economic development gorilla in our market, or the economic driver. So how do you capitalize on that to see economic diversity? Because economic diversity means more jobs, it means more sales tax, it means more ad valorem tax, it means growth. And that growth is going to continue to be what's going to drive, I believe, the success of our market. And so our geography, I mean, we can talk all day about the, the challenges, but there's also a hell of a lot of opportunities. So I think if you, if you look at it and kind of take the, you know, the, the cup is half full approach, I mean, it's, it's only time and, and opportunity to really capitalize on that. So economic diversity would be my answer. Yeah, and I guess, I'm sorry, go no, ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to add to that. I think, I think that's a really important point. When you look at our community, most of our jobs are in the government sector. So traditionally, you know, we're, we're insulated more from uh, the national economy here because of the government jobs. But if we stay in that realm, I, in my mind, from an economic diversity standpoint, we need to have just as many jobs in the private sector as we do in the government sector. We're very heavily, both cities, the county, the university, and, and traditionally those jobs don't have the higher wages. So when you're recruiting and, and you're looking at the current wages and recruiting businesses to locate here, they'll look at that, at that wage and see that as a, as a big gap. So uh, I think Todd's spot on from the standpoint that we do need to have the economic diversity, but that's why it's just so important to bring in jobs from the private sector than from the government realm. And I guess I, I would say the same thing. You, what we look at when we're looking at economic development, we're trying to bring a company in here. The first thing these guys look for is do we have a workforce? Do we have workers? You know, and we're very, very low unemployment here. Not only are we very low unemployment, but we have very inexpensive labor because we have, you know, 65, 70,000 students here that are willing to work for beer money. And, you know, they'll do those jobs because, you know, parents are paying on their own scholarship or whatever it is. All they need is money to have fun that their parents don't know what they're doing. I mean, I know because I was one of those kids, you know, so it was, you know, we, we have a very unique community. So when we're attracting businesses over here, just say we have a, 
you know, coffee manufacturer. He's going to come over and make coffee and he's going to do his stuff. And we're bringing in all the big wigs coming in. We're going to have all the stuff. But the spouses, what are the spouses going to do? Because at that point, you're bringing in a, just let's say, $100,000 job. Spouse comes over, she's very qualified, or he's very qualified, but there's no jobs for him other than that $20,000, $30,000 job. So until you guys as the leaders go, okay, what are we gonna do to expand that, to make sure that we're paying good wages, to make sure that everybody has a place, you know, it's gonna be hard to attract some of those, you know, dual income families. Because now they're looking at, do they wanna live here? Yes, yeah, a great place to live. Cost of living is, you know, that's, you, you don't know. You know, cost of living, try to find a house around here, and you know, supply and demand is very hard. The house is very expensive. You know, when I was in college here, it was $350 for a three bedroom house, split that three ways. Now it's, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollars per room, you know, on a three bedroom house. And now you have five, five, so do the math on all this stuff here into that housing market. So it's, we're not a cheap place to live. Okay. So now it's your turn, and there aren't microphones out in, in the audience, so shout out a question. I may uh, restate it just so uh, we, can, we can have the audio on camera, and then uh, we'll see if we can answer it. So who's got a question? Yes. Restate her question real quickly before you answer. Oh, so what, what companies we're trying to recruit? I know there's, there's some we can and some we can't talk about. We have uh, uh, the new IOBio that was just, I guess it's just been announced that, uh, let's see, how many jobs are going to bring in? 300? 300? I think it's, in the, forget the number. Whatever the number is, <laughs> those jobs are $70,000 a piece up. Uh, that was a, just a deal I know the mayor was, has been working on. We, were, we had dinner last night and was asking him and Keen about different, different stuff that we can talk about because a lot of the stuff is always secret and, uh, you know, until it gets out there because at that, pri at that point, if a new company is coming in and we're trying to attract a new company, real estate values all around that, it, once it gets out, you know, then it, it's just, you know, it's not good for anybody. I mean, except for the people who are around it after it comes out. <laughs> But, you know, we're trying to attract, <coughs> College Station has, they have the density. They have the retail really sewed up and, you know, a lot of the retail is going that direction, everything else. We're, we're more into the, uh, where our wheelhouse is, we do a lot of manufacturing. We're trying to get more manufacturing in. We have uh, projects, three different projects going into Texas Triangle Park that we're potentially going to land here really quick. Uh, some good, I mean, some good stuff. And it's going to, we're looking at, you know, you want to bring in the quality of living, so we talk about pay scale. We don't want to have a bunch of $30,000, $40,000 jobs. We want to have 50, 60, 70 on up because that helps not only the school district, but that helps our tax and structure. That helps everything that we have here. So we're looking at, you know, different things like that. Great question. In the back. Is that for me or who? Who's the question? So I think the question is multifamily. You know, what, what are we doing as a city about all the multifamily that's coming in and the rent by the bed? And that's something that's really impacting both communities. I think where we've seen the, the biggest growth is around the university. 
you know, when you look at Northgate proper, Century Square, North Point Crossing, along that little stretch on University Drive and College Station, over the last five years, we've added 7,000 beds. Now that's, that's big. Uh, now part of that was planned and part of it was, was um, a shock, to be perfectly honest with you. When, when Northgate was originally designed, I think, Todd, you were at College Station at that time when we looked at, you know, we, we hoped that someone would come in, a four-story, five-story. Uh, we never dreamt that it would be the large uh, high-rises that we're seeing today. Um, one positive is that in the Northgate area, we're starting to see more and more students flock to that area because you don't necessarily have to have a car. We're seeing our parking demands go down in that area even with the densities going up because of the use of Uber, Lyft, and not necessarily having to have a car when you come into town. Now, one thing that, that uh, we're all having to deal with as a community is the university being more involved in multifamily with the Park West development. That 3,500 bed development ca caught us all a little flat-footed from the standpoint of local ownership and, and uh, how that's impacted the market. So I'm interested to see the, the occupancy rates are still fairly low, but with the university growing from, from the folks that I've talked to in the multifamily market, they still see that, there's still interest in the multifamily market and there's still, uh, they believe, a three-year window in which we'll be back up to the, the occupancies that, that we're typically used to, around the 90% mark. I, I hope that's the case. I, you know, you, you just never know. And you asked from a P&Z standpoint? From a P&Z standpoint, what we're dealing with in Bryan has been all that redevelopment north of Northgate, uh, that whole area right there that we did, we're actually doing a study on right now, the Overlay District. Uh, trying to regulate, you know, the Aggie Shack, we're calling them detached shared housing, uh, by the bedrooms and stuff like that. It's transitioning neighborhoods. And within that corridor between, say, Villa Maria and University Drive, you know, Welburn Road and South College, we've identified that as, a, as an area that's already transitioned. There's not a lot we can do that's going to help or, you know, take the impact off of those neighborhoods that are traditionally been single family home neighborhoods. You know, you'll have four homes and you'll have one five by five, you know, five, five, five bedroom, five, you know, bath house that's being rented by the bedroom. So from a P&Z standpoint, we've taken it to a conditional use for those so we can try to protect the other neighborhoods that are around. Not that we're not gonna protect those neighborhoods, but we, we have identified those over, they've already transitioned. That neighborhood should have gotten together, you know, formed their neighborhood conservation district, which we're really trying to push right now. Uh, we've had, since we put that thing together, we've had three new ones, I guess three new RNCs that have come up within the city of Bryan that say, look, we want to be a neighborhood and we want to control our destiny. Uh, and then you have other, and, and I guess to go back to what we found out within PNC doing a study is we have less than 50% owner-occupied houses. So there's more rental houses in Bryan College Station than there are houses, you know, than there are homeowners in, in Bryan College Station. So we have a lot of outside influences that a lot of our a lot of our landlords don't even live here they live out of state out of country wherever so they're making these decisions on our community based on their pocketbook and we're trying to make decisions based on what we want to be i'm with i'll just echo on the on the city of Bryan in terms of multifamily new build i think what's a little bit different for us is is the the nature of the tenants so if you think about like our park hudson area i mean young professionals even out here in atlas and 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 uh, uh, town, you know, if you think about, you know, Hawthorne and the, a couple of the projects, uh, uh, the uh, ranches at Turkey Creek, I mean, really more accommodating towards young professionals. So not so much students 
although maybe like graduate level students uh, I think would be the key. Out here, of course, you've got the Health Science Center, so I think you see some synergies there as well. So it's a little bit different for Brian. I think there has been a significant amount of new multifamily downtown. There's been a, a, a sizable amount of new multifamily development, the Perry Project, which is a fantastic project. The Viz Lab of the university and elements of the College of Architecture are actually on the first floor of that building is a mixed-use building. So it's, it's, a, um, uh, it's, a, it's a challenge, but I agree with, with uh, Natalie. I think there'll be a correction. I do think three years. I think we'll see, I think we'll see that all kind of work itself through as Rellis Campus continues to grow and uh, the university does what it does, Blinn College, et cetera. So. Okay. Yes. Right, right in the middle, right here. We'll get to you next. <laughs> Regional, regional growth is what you're talking about. I mean, there's stuff going on all around us. We, we are, you know, obviously we're the hub of everything. And one of the things we've looked at, uh, you know, being involved in BVDC, I'm trying to still trying to get used to this acronym of it. And I know we have Matt back here in the back. Raise your hand. Okay, so a lot of those questions, anybody that has a question about that, you can actually ask Matt. He's our, you know, <laughs> executive director. Uh, the BVDC is kind of involved in, in everything. And you know we're right in the middle of a, of a market study right now, Market Street, that is a, it's a company we brought in to kind of look at who we are as a community, what we need as a community, what we're lacking, and what we have. Our good strong strengths and our negatives that we have and our weaknesses within our community. Hopefully we'll be sewed up with that thing. And then again, it was another, for me, businessman, another study. And I was like, man, we, we're gonna spend more money on another study. After we got involved and after we got engaged in this thing, I think this is probably going to be the most important study that either of our cities have ever done because it's gonna, we're going to come to a reality of who we are collectively, not just as an organization, but who we are as a city collectively. Who we want to be when we grow up, what we can actually be. So, you know, we, they might go, you know what, this is what we want to be, but you guys are never going to become this because of X, Y, Z. This is what you can become, and this is what is with reality within your area, what you can become. And I think I'm really, really looking forward to seeing that, you know, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are around us, because everybody around us, you know, whether it be Hearn, Navasota, you know, Caldwell, Madisonville, you know, Vidas, Iola, Normandy, all these areas around us, you know, they, they supply our workers. They supply all of our people into here, and, you know, let's just be quite frank, I mean, some of these things we're talking about, high paying jobs, low paying jobs, they can't afford to live here, you know, because you've you're got these $10 an hour jobs, you know, $8 an hour, minimum wage jobs, and these guys are coming out, they have to live in these other areas because, you know, at $500 a bedroom, you know, I don't, I don't know you guys, but I mean, when I was starting out, I couldn't, I couldn't do that math. I mean, I, I don't know where I would live at this point, you know, thank God I was able to buy something early on and before everything went up, but it's a, it is a, it's a different area, and we're going to have to look at those outla outlying areas too, just because of our jobs. Right back here.
from from a community standpoint, you're you're absolutely right. We have to sell that quality Repeat of life. The question. Oh, I'm sorry. The question was, uh, how do we incorporate some of our service organizations through the Girl Scouts, Habitat for Humanity? How does quality of life impact our overall recruitment efforts? Um, quality of life is is more and more important these these days. You know, from a standpoint of recruiting new jobs. You know, as Bobby mentioned earlier, you have a trailing spouse who is also looking for uh, a, a career path, looking at schools, looking at um, parks. You know, for a small, com for a community of our size, for us to have a symphony, that's a huge selling point uh, for our community. But from the standpoint of uh, the service organizations, I think you have to have very strong support both at the government level and at the local level to be able to fund those organizations. We've partnered with the Arts Council uh, for years and they've just got themselves a new space and they sponsor other organizations. But from the standpoint of the quality of life, we have to have those service organizations to be able to promote as well. Our school districts, uh, having the, Brian having the International Baccalaureate Program, um, College Station being so highly ranked, school systems are also, you know, putting our youth out and, uh, and saying, okay, here, here's what we have to offer for your families when you come here as well. But having those strong or organizations locally is very important to economic development. Um, it, it's just all a question of funding and how those uh, organizations are, are, are funded. Also, if you, I mean, from a show of hands, how many people here are self-employed? Okay, so stand up and write all their names down because these are the people who, and, and take mine off that list, please. <laughs> no, you know, and that's a very good point. I mean, we have so many organizations in, the, in our community. I mean, there is a, a lot of organizations, a lot of nonprofits. Uh, I've got to think that Brian Costation has got to be the most given community in the country. I mean, I've lived in a bunch of different places and have been hit up for a lot of things, but there's no place in the world that I think I've ever been hit up like here every single day. Even to open the door sometimes might cost you $300 sponsorship just to walk in. So from a chamber standpoint, you know, you're getting involved and you're seeing different people from the chamber standpoint. And I, I really do think, you know, we do this, you know, buy local, shop local, kind of things like that. And, and Brian is very much kind of a bedroom community of your local mom and pop type shops. And in the back of your minds is, you know, as chamber members, think about that because, you know, your big box stores, there's really sometimes, and I, I shouldn't say it because I see Rich Wright over here, he's, he's always smiling, you guys, if you never noticed that, he's a happy man. <laughs> the, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, you're not going to walk into, you know, I guess Vicet next door and go, hey, I want you to sponsor my such and such, you know, on a daily basis. But you're going to walk into the face that you know, like mine, and you'll go, hey, I need this. And, and for us, it's, you know, unless you guys are <coughs> buying stuff from us and shopping with us and doing it's very hard for us to support everything. And, it's, and, it, and I have a hard time saying no. Obviously, I have a hard time saying no because I'm on all these things. But <laughs> it's one of those things that, you know, you, you love your community. You want, to, you want to see your community go, and you, you feel very responsible for helping drive that conversation. But that goes within, you know, within the given part too. Uh, there's, you know, great things that all these all these companies are doing, all these nonprofits are doing, and you should all get involved in this. If you want to be involved in something that's really special, look at one of these nonprofits. I mean, not only you know Chamber of Commerce, but look at these nonprofits. If you want to get plugged in the community, that's a good place to get plugged in. Let's do one more question. Who has one? Something hard. 
I mean, stump, stump these folks. Uh -oh. Yes, sir. Just growing up through College Station, Brian, you've all, I've always seen Highway 6 has not ever been a huge growth factor for us as far as for shopping retail. Um, you can drive down. It's much more in the last probably 10 years we've seen the growth of it. Is there plans for Highway 6? Kind of what is the idea for Highway 6 um, to grow that corridor, especially if we increase the traffic flow? Well, for Brian, I mean, Highway 6 is still a critical corridor. I, I think if you look at, at some, uh, you know, some areas around there, again, I was referencing University Drive East. Um, you know, today, just like with 2018, you know, State Highway 6 is no longer the bypass. I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty much, uh, you know, part of a main artery, you know, going through Brown College Station. So ultimately, there'll be a, a, a hopefully an east side bypass, and you'll continue to see that. The high-speed train happens and all that kind of stuff. But for Brian, at least, I mean, we certainly look at, at, at the Highway 6 corridor from University Drive up to um, Texas Triangle Park as being important. There's been a lot of growth and development uh, along there, and I think that's going to continue. It's still very much um, a uh, kind of a, a focal point for big box national retailers. I mean, it's, it's very much still the uh, kind of the heart of the watermelon, if you will. So uh, I think that's going to continue to be the case. And I mean, it's certainly our connectivity back into Houston. Uh, which, which I think is also a driver. But all that, as you know, is, is, is a function of, you know, economic considerations. It's rooftops and all that kind of stuff. So, but it's important, very much so. But I think, again, you have to kind of vision it out and say, well, you know, what's the next, you know, so you, you've got, for example, the 47 corridor. So for us, I mean, that's going to be for City of Bryan. I mean, to us, that's going to be, you know, really kind of pioneering. It's, it's going to be a new frontier. Uh, within our market for economic growth and development. But again, that's how you kind of have to look at it holistically as a community. Well, I Good think question. too, from, the, from College Station perspective, when you look at that, um, first you've got to solve the, you know, the traffic backing up on, on Highway 6. Uh, you know, when you, when you leave, you know, in the Harvey Road area, Highway 60, it's, it's backed up in the afternoon. So working with TxDOT on expanding that, that roadway, which is something that's, that's in the works, uh, but also from a, a, a retail perspective, we have focused from uh, the, the city's focused on the that Highway 6 corridor and looking at retail opportunities and commercial opportunities. Uh, we went in and did some city initiated rezonings in areas where we felt like it made a lot of sense from a commercial standpoint. Now one of the things that we've also seen is that's where a lot of our established residential neighborhoods are. And so trying to balance that with someone wanting to be on Highway 6 where you have the highest traffic counts, because that's what retail's looking for. They're looking for the highest traffic counts, your wealthiest residents, the best neighborhoods to try to get in close proximity to those rooftops. Um, and so we, we have done some city-initiated rezonings. They've been pretty controversial, uh, but that's uh, how we got the new Mercedes dealership and, and uh, a few other projects that we're working on along Highway 6. But I still continue to see that as uh, a growth area, mainly for commercial, because you've got access to Highway 6. And it's, it, when you see, too, Lance, uh, College Station is filling up. So just, and, and they have the density, too. And, and, and you talked about the 30,000, you know, population number. That's a, that's a real number. So when you look as, as you travel north on Highway 6 into Bryan and into that area there, you don't have that density because we have bigger, more single-family homes. There's bigger lots. If you go east of Highway 6, you know, now you're into some of the rural areas. So that density for us is a problem, and, and being on PNZ, it's, it's one of those things, as, as you start doing this thing, you know, people have a real problem with developing in their backyard. You know, even though they don't own that property next to them, and what I've, I've said it a hundred times, I say, you know, 
you've looked at that empty lot for the last 30 years. It's been in your, you know, been in your backyard. You've used it, you've enjoyed it and everything else. If it was that important to you to not have anything there, you should have bought it because you don't own it, you don't control it, it's not yours. But at that point, you know, and nobody ever comes to complain until it happens in their backyard. So be part of that process, whether it be the PNZ process, whether it be the development process, be part of that process because look at, think about where you live because you can't control anything but your own spot. I mean, even within here, you, you want to take something really good, look at this, you know, the ILA that we have here within traditions, within this bio corridor, what we have going on right now, 47 highway into Relish that, you know, could potentially be annexed in the city of Bryan now. We have some development standards that we set in place a long time ago. So when you're looking at this area, this whole corridor between here and the new Relish campus, it's going to look very similar to this. So if you like this, we have the new uh, ranch at Riverstone that Michael Beckendorf just developed. You know, higher end, you know, more for your corporate people to live, you know, fast internet. They're, he's, you know, trying to do things and developments that, you know, that are going to, that more relate to the area. You know, it's like Todd said, we, it's a different clientele. We don't want so much of the students, which we love the students, we, but, you know, we have, a, we have an opportunity in Bryan to kind of control our destination. We have, as we develop to the west, we can take pressure off the middle you know, where we have those density, when you have this traffic problems that you're having in College Station. Uh, I, you know, I have a house in College Station, there's no way I could live at that house because I couldn't get in and out of my neighborhood at the point. So we have that leased out and, and you know, don't want to have those same problems. And we have an opportunity now with these overlay districts that we're doing to push some of this density out here, to push some of the high, high density stuff out to 47 because that transition between Relis and Texas A&M, the bi corridor, is a natural progression and we don't have to clog up the city, the, the, the middle of the city. You know, we can do some really real plan development and, you know, we're blessed to have this college station, you know, it got thrown upon them. I mean, it, all of a sudden, you know, somebody wakes up and goes, you know what, we want to be at 80,000. We're, we're at 30, now we want to be at 40, now we want to be at 80. Uh, that's not anything that you guys can control and, you know, to have that kind of population thrown on the infrastructure is, is very tough. Mm -hmm. So we're going to wrap it up. I want to thank our guests, Natalie Ruiz, Bobby Gutierrez, Todd McDaniel. Thank you to Leadership Brass's class of 2019. Thank you to the Stella Hotel. And thank you to anybody who is going to be watching or listening this edition of Is This a Thing? Thanks very much. All right, so you ready to do the real thing now? Yeah, you ready to film? Oh, sorry. <laughs>